booming voice for a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, so we've been going through this, uh, this whole process through this prayer series, uh, talking through what prayer is, what it looks like, talking about uh, some practical parts of prayer, different ways to pray, uh, and so much more. And the hope is that we're all putting a little bit each week into practice uh, the series that we're talking about as we pray each week as we talk about one more thing about prayer that that week we go out and just add that to our tool belt. Um, and I definitely put a lot of prayer into uh, preparing the sermon for this morning. I was joking with, uh, with Mike earlier and I told him I'm, I had to rewrite this like four or five times um, because I get finished and then I go start practicing through it and be like, ah, that is not what God wants me to say. Let's throw this out and let's start again. Uh, and so I am excited for this morning, but it was, it was definitely stressful just getting ready for it. It's like, God, what do you want to speak to us this morning? Why am I not getting it? And can you help me get it? Um, so just being a little vulnerable with you guys with that. Um, but I only say that because I want you guys to know that God has something very important to speak to you this morning, to each of us. And the reality is, um, as I was talking with my wife about it last night, as I was rewriting each one, I was basically just writing a sermon for myself each time. Because if you've ever written a sermon, you know that nine times out of ten, you're preaching more to yourself than you are to the congregation you're talking to. Chris is nodding her head, she knows. <laughs> and it's just how it is. And so this morning, I just want to share with you guys where we're going with this, I'm really excited. You know, God has that funny way of reminding you through sermon building that you're more talking to yourself than anybody. But there's something just so important this morning. I already talked to Andrew. I apologized to him and told him I may go off script um, just because if God tells me to go off script, that's where we're going to go. But I'm excited. And I just want to, again, pray because, you know, we're doing a series on prayer. I think it's important. There's no such thing as oversaturation of prayer. You can never pray too much. And so I just want to pray this morning that as I'm speaking, one, that God's the one speaking, not me, and two, that we would be open to what he has to speak to us. So God, we just give you this moment, we give you this morning, we give you this space, and we just pray that you do what you do best. God, that, that you have something so important for each of us to get from this, myself included. And I just, I love that you speak to us so clearly in those ways. So this morning, I pray that you would speak this morning, not myself, that our ears would be open to hear. And like we've said, we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And we would put into practice what you have to speak to us this morning. We give you this time and this space, and we thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're going to be focusing in on a little part in the, the book of Philippians. Uh, one of my favorite books, I love the writings of Paul. Uh, if you're anything like me, you've probably read them a million times. My dad used to think it was funny uh, when I was growing up, I, whenever I got grounded, which was quite often, uh, one of the added punishments was he would have me read a book in the Bible. And I'd have to take notes on it. Uh, the joys of growing up as a pastor's kid, right? And so he would have me read a book of the Bible and take notes on it. It was always funny because he often had me read the letters that Paul was writing. And the irony of it was Paul's in prison writing these letters. And I'm grounded and stuck in my room. And I always thought it was funny because Paul would be talking about having joy and rejoicing and, you know, 
these chains are okay with me and I'm stuck in my room thinking, are you kidding me? Why is he so excited about this? And I would just get more and more angry because this guy's having a good time and I'm stuck in my room. It's like first world problems, right? And so it was, my dad had a sense of humor with that. I'm sure he laughed so hard and I didn't realize the true irony in that until like 10 years ago when I was growing up and man, he got me good. <laughs> but we're gonna be sticking around in Philippians and before we really dig into that, I wanted to give some context to the, the letter that Paul wrote uh, because it's a letter written by Paul to the church of Philippi, which is why it's called Philippians. Um, and it was actually the first church that Paul helped establish in what we know now as Europe. And in Acts chapter 16, we get to see the time that Paul spent in Philippi establishing the church. And it wasn't the easiest time. Um, you know, you follow the story of Paul and it's hardship after hardship after hardship and it's trial after trial. And he's, he's happy through the whole thing, which is crazy to me. But... In, in this, it, it says actually in Acts chapter 16, and it starts in verse 16 talking about his time in, in Philippi, and it tells us that there was this female slave who was used uh, because she had a spirit in her that predicted the future. And her masters used her to make a bunch of money. And it's kind of crazy. Paul and Silas are in Philippi, and they're, they're going to this, this prayer meeting, and this girl followed them, and she's mocking them, and she's yelling things about them and doing all of this. And this happens for days. So instead of being praised for what they did as a good thing, Paul and Silas found themselves attacked by the crowd, beaten with rods, and thrown in prison. It's a great reward, right? Love that. I couldn't even imagine how I would react if I were in their shoes. Uh, I'd probably be a little bit mad because thinking, what the heck? I'd probably be incredibly scared because this is a scary situation and I just got beat up and thrown in prison. Probably pretty upset. You know, kind of a combination of everything and nothing at once. Um, I, I can't even tell you. I mean, I don't know if you guys know how you'd react in that situation, but it's just a weird thing, right? But the response of Paul and Cyrus, Silas was to pray and to sing hymns while they're in prison. In spite of what happened and their current circumstance, they continue to keep their focus on God. And this leads to an awesome moment where it says that, that the jail shook, the earthquake happened, the jail cells open up. It's this beautiful moment that happens. And, and all of this leads up to the jailer of that prison, not only him, but his entire household getting baptized and following Jesus because of the circumstance that Paul found himself in. God used Paul and Silas to establish a church in a really unlikely place. And that church continued to grow. And, and it's crazy because not only did it grow, but it would go on to support Paul and his ministries through prayer, through finances, any way that they could, they supported Paul in his ministry of pushing the gospel everywhere he could. And it just continued to grow, continued to grow, continued to support Paul. And I just love because it's amazing what God does in unlikely situations when we say yes to his plan. So why is this context so important for this morning? Well, we're gonna talk about this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. You know, why go into the backstory of it? If you look at where they were, 
versus how Paul's writing to them in this letter, it is a night and day difference. It helps us understand the words that Paul writes to them and the prayer that he has for them. And because we fast forward, there's this moment, Paul is again in prison, he's in Rome, in chains, and he's facing trial and execution. And he writes to the church that he helped establish in Philippi. And the words that he said to him were these, and they're found in Philippians chapter one, and it's verses three through 11. And it says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now to me, these don't sound like the words of a man who's defeated and waiting to die. This letter sounds like a man who found joy in a circumstance and triumph where he's at. These are the words of a man who resolutely believes in his God, who believes in the path God placed him on and knows that God wins in the end. They sound like they're written with love for the people he's writing to. This isn't a group of people that he blames for getting thrown in prison. This is a group of people that he absolutely loves, knows that they are brothers and sisters in Christ, and simply wants them to grow more and more in Christ. It's just amazing to think of that difference, going from I was thrown in prison, I was beaten up, and all this, to these are now my brothers and sisters whom I love dearly, who I know God has something great in store for. And as I read this, there's two big ideas that jump out at me when I read Paul's words here. The first big idea is that prayer gives us perspective. Prayer is critical for a positive spiritual outlook on our lives. Paul knew that the reality was that he wasn't alone. He may have been alone in person, physically, but he wasn't alone spiritually. He knew that he had brothers and sisters in Christ all over the known world praying for him in his circumstance and agreeing with him that the gospel would continue. They all prayed for the fruitfulness of the gospel and for Paul while he was in chains. And as Paul prays for others in his circumstance, he's reminded that he's not alone in it. And he's reminded that God is still moving and those things give him joy in the hardship. He tells them, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. That's why I have joy. Your partner's with me. So prayer gives us perspective because when we pray for others, it reminds us that we're not alone. Especially when we're in a Christian community. Because if we're praying for others in our Christian community, we can know they're praying for us in turn. Paul knew that his road was going to be tough. I mean, if you look at his, his, his roadway, his roadmap, it's kind of fun following the life of Paul because it's just crazy. Like the things that happen to him don't happen to a normal person. I mean, from, it's, from the shipwreck where he survives, and not only does he survive, but everyone else survives, to 
getting bit by a snake where he's supposed to die instantly, but he's totally fine. All of these things that happen, like he finds himself in prison time and time and time again. He basically has his own like personal prison cell everywhere he goes. And he's totally fine with it because he knows that the gospel is going to advance, because he knows he has people that have his side. And so it's just crazy to me following his life that he knew was going to be tough based on the circumstance he just got out of. He knows, well, the next circumstance is going to be tough too because that's what God has been called for. And he's ready for it. Paul chose to be focused on the goodness of God in each and every circumstance. We are all going to face hardships in life. The Bible tells us that pretty clearly. There's a passage in James and it talks about hardships. And it's in James chapter one, it's verses two through four, and it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be complete, not lacking anything. And really there's two ways to look at those verses. You can focus on the part that says we're gonna have hardships in life and leave it at that. You can focus on the negative. And when you focus on the negative, you allow your circumstance to pile up on you, which makes any movement impossible. You can focus on the, the hard things, you can focus on the, the trials, you can focus on the difficulties, and that's where you're gonna be. You live in the negative when that's what you focus on. Or you can read the whole thing, which tells us that trials build our faith and strengthen us. That doesn't mean things are going to be easy. I'm thankful that Jesus never promised that because that would have made him a liar. He knows things are tough. So he never promised that. What he promised is he'd be with us through. And so the easiest way to get stuck in our circumstance is to focus on the negative. If you want to move past the circumstance, it's important to focus on the positive. And with like Paul, prayer helps us change our perspective. Prayer helps us focus on the positive things because the reality is the thing that you just got through that you prayed for to get out of prepares you for the next thing that you're praying for to get out of, which pray, prepares you for the next thing. Which brings me to the next point of this, and that's the, the other big idea that prayer brings progress. When we look at the life of Paul, we see all these situations from prison to being beaten to shipwrecks to everything in between. Paul saw a lot and Paul endured a lot, but Paul had a constant connection with Christ, always praying and following God's will. And for each situation that Paul got through, he had another reason to know that God would be him, with him for the next thing. And Paul's life, just like ours, was a lifelong spiritual journey. Sometimes I can forget that spiritual progress is a lifelong thing. Uh, trust me, I have those moments. I mean, that was like the past couple of weeks that I was preparing for this. It's like, all right, I'm good. I'm ready to go. And it felt like God was saying, eh, I don't want you to say that. <laughs> Dang it, God, this is what I want to say. He said, exactly. Um, and so it's this process. It's progress. It's building. Uh, how many of you guys went and looked at Prime Day this last week? I'll admit I was on it. I'm really proud of myself for not buying a single thing. That is an accomplishment. But uh, Prime Day is scary. Like, I'm also a video gamer, uh, and there's this, this video game thing called this, this, the Steam Sale. If any of you know computer games, basically these games that are on, like, $60 games are on sale for, like, 15 bucks. That was happening at the same time as Prime Day. We're instant gratification people, right? Like, that's just what America's created us to be. And so I see these things, I'm like, I really, really want it. 
really wanted. But I'm so thankful that I didn't buy any of those things because we are on our own journey of like, you know, figuring out our finances and getting good with those. And it's, you know, it's a process. And it's crazy to me because in America, we want things instantly. And we think of this lifelong spiritual journey. That sounds tough. That sounds complicated. That sounds difficult. And I'm like, I'm in that boat, goodness. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And I was just like, I want this now. I want it done. But it was crazy because our, our spiritual progress is rooted in what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And in all of that, prayer is crucial for that progress. I was actually talking with some pastors about the discipleship process here in America. Um, there's a guy, Peter Scazzaro, he writes a lot of books about emotionally healthy leaders and all of this. And he talked about the, the uh, emotionally healthy discipleship. And I was reading this book, and as, as I was reading it, he was talking about how so many churches in America have a four-week discipleship program to prepare people for being Christians. And that's just the norm. That's really common now. And I love that some of you guys are giving me that look of what the heck is wrong, because that's, yes. He starts talking about how in America we need to slow down the discipleship process, because it's not a four-week thing that prepares you for life. It is a day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, until the day that Christ Jesus comes. And, and so I was talking with some pastors about this, and it was really funny because as I was asked, asking them about their own discipleship processes and talking to them about slowing down that process, a lot of them kind of looked at me and said, that's, just, that's not going to work here. That doesn't work in America. Like, people, people want it now. And I said, well, people may want it now. I want it now. But if we just give them what they want and not what they need, are we doing the right thing in the discipleship process? So I love, Jessica, as you're talking about these groups and talking about how they're not changing and they're going to keep going. That is discipleship. Living life together day by day, week by week, year by year. It's so crucial for each of us as we grow in our spiritual progress to have discipleship happening in our lives. Because it's, it's not instantaneous. It is a process. And think about the first time that Paul went to Philippi, the way he was received versus the relationship that they had when he wrote this letter to them. The spiritual growth of that church is amazing. The fact that it wasn't there when he got there, and now as he's in Rome, he's writing to an entire church telling them, I love you, I know you're doing great things. But... Paul saw that as they were furthering the gospel, there was still room to grow. There's always more room for each of us to grow. So Paul prays for the church to grow in love, in knowledge, and in discernment. And, and he, his prayer was for them to grow more than they already had, more than when they started. Just keep growing, keep growing. It is what we call a discipleship prayer because it's important for us. Discipleship is a lifelong process. And that should be our prayer. God, help us grow in love and knowledge and discernment each and every day. Help us grow more and more in that. The discipleship process helps us get there. Now that I've gotten off my nose and back on my hands. Uh, here's the greatest part of this, though. And I love this because it's true for all of us. It's found in verse 6 of that, that Philippians. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion 
until the day of Christ Jesus. The good work that God started, God will see it complete. Through this prayer series, God has started a good work in Foundation Church. God will see it complete. Each of us has a unique story to our lives. We all face different things, and A, I may not be able to understand what you're going through, but I do know that God does. You may not understand what I'm going through, but we know that God does. And, and you know, Rick and I were kind of talking this week about uh, just our, our testimonies, especially during this prayer series, because I guarantee you, if you are putting into practice what we're talking about in this prayer series, 100% guarantee you, God is moving in your life. No doubts. I don't even have to question it. Because when we pray, when we connect with God, we may not know it, we may not see it, but God is working in us. And so Rick and I were kind of talking, and, and I wanted to encourage all of you, if God is moving in your life through this series, we want, to, we want to hear about it. We want to celebrate it with you guys. If you feel comfortable writing on that connection card what God is doing in your life during this time and through this series, we want to hear your testimony. Because it's so important for us to celebrate with one another. And, and if you want to put your name on it or if you want to keep it anonymous, you can do that. But the bottom line is we want to celebrate what God's doing because it's so important. And here's the thing. I also know that it's incredibly difficult to share things. So Rick and I were talking. I wanted to share a bit of my own block with you guys. Share a bit of my own testimony. I know I'm still kind of the new guy on block, the new kid on campus, and that's okay. Uh, my wife and I and our, our little girl have been here since October. And so we were saying, you know, maybe you guys don't know us all that well yet. So I wanted to give you a little bit of my own story uh, just so you could hear. And I want to encourage you guys to please write the testimony of what God is doing in your life on your connection card because context shows us what God is doing. So my own testimony. Uh, this is fun. This is, uh, I haven't done this in a while. I love this. <laughs> Um, here's the thing. I was a pastor's kid growing up. My dad was a pastor's kid. We come from a line of pastors. There's a lot of pressure in that. If you're a pastor's kid or a pastor, you know. There's a lot of pressure in those things. Uh, my dad has since uh, stepped away from ministry uh, and, and is doing IT stuff currently. But growing up, he was a pastor in AG Church in Yakima. You know, yeah, I'm from Yakima. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> Whenever someone tells me that they're from there, I just have to apologize to them because I was there. It's horrible. Like, literally, I know, you guys have weird looks. Two weeks after I graduated high school, I moved to Spokane because I couldn't see any Yakima. That's where it is. Uh, sorry for anyone online who lives in Yakima and loves it. I'm just, I'm not a fan. But growing up, you know, as my dad was the, the pastor, uh, we were at an AG church. They did things really old school at this AG church. We had Sunday night services, if anyone remembers those. Um, and it was every, every Sunday morning you went to service, and every Sunday night you went to a different service. And uh, when I was 10 years old, I remember we had a guest speaker come in, and I don't remember her name at all, don't remember anything about her other than she, had, she was an older lady with a walker, and she would very slowly walk from person to person flip the walker, sit down on it, and begin praying in a really loud, you know, speaking in tongues, and like basically bowl people over so they were laying on the ground. Um, 
And I'm not discounting that at all. I'm, I'm not, because I know there's power in that, but I know that there's also a lot of weirdness that happens with that. Um, as a 10-year-old kid, it was weird. <laughs> and so I was kind of freaked out by all these things happening. There's people talking in other languages. There's people on the ground in tears. There's people laughing. There's a lot of things. It was kind of over the top, so I turned and walked out the doors um, and decided to go play around the church and, and hang out and do other things. And I just remember that night, my grandmother came up to me, just tears coming down her face. She just grabbed me by the shoulders, looks me straight in the eyes, she said, Kyle, you're going to be a pastor of the next generation, and you're going to be moving mountains for God and all this stuff. And, you know, it, it sounds really, really inspiring, right? As a 10-year-old, I just wanted to play with the mud with my Tonka trucks and, like, chill. And so it freaked me out. And I proceeded for the next eight years to do literally everything I could to avoid it. And I was a pastor's kid, so I knew the things to do to avoid it. Because I, you know, sometimes listen to my dad when he preached. Um, but I knew that I knew the right answers, and I also knew the wrong answers. And so I wanted to do everything I could to avoid being a pastor, because that was weird. It was not my thing. And so I grew up. And, you know, all through high school, did all the wrong things. You can ask Kelly Armstrong because he was my youth pastor and he had to deal with me for all that time. And so, sorry, Kelly. Um, and then he got back at me because I had his kids in my youth group. So, right, Michael? It just laughs. But I knew all the right answers and I knew the wrong answers. And they came to a point where I hit rock bottom at about 18, 19 years old. I was graduated living the wrong life. I was living with my girlfriend at the time, and I just, I had a chip on my shoulder, hated everything, and I was miserable. Even though I had people around me, I felt so alone. Was struggling with depression, and just, you know, it wasn't where I was meant to be. It wasn't the life I was meant to live. And that, that girlfriend ended up breaking things off, and I found myself having to move back in with my parents, which felt like even lower. Uh, at that point, because I was like, man, I'm just, I'm at the bottom of where I can go. Uh, what I love is it was at that point where I didn't realize it was God calling me, but I was called to join the military. At that point, I was thinking, I've got nothing else to lose. I'm just going to jump in and join the military. Really, that was God saying, you need to figure out some structure in your life. Uh, you need to figure out some respect in your life. You need to figure out how to be a normal person in society. Uh, and so I, I jumped into the military, and I, I did that. I uh, served for six years. It was a lot of fun. Um, anyone who was military knows that's a total lie, but at that same time, an absolute truth. Um, cannot explain it to you. It's, it's the best, worst, most amazing, horrible thing all in one. <laughs> but, but from there, I began building my life back up because I got to the point where there was nothing else to lose, and the only place I could turn was the one who created me. And it's funny looking back at the circumstances and seeing the movement of God in my life through each one. The situations that I went through, the things that I lived, a lot of them self-inflicted, but God said, I have a plan for this kid. I have something I need him to do. And so he helped me get through those things. Uh, you know, I ended up meeting my amazing wife and we've been married for almost 10 years now, which is crazy to think. Oh my goodness. Um, was a youth pastor for 10 years in open Bible. And it wasn't easy. We didn't just have it easy from there. Uh, we found out when we were trying to have a kid that we possibly couldn't. 
You know, we had a bunch of doctor's visits, we had a bunch of meetings, a bunch of different things. Went into debt trying to figure out why we couldn't have kids, and the doctor said, well, you may not be able to. Uh, and that was a tough one. And so for four years, we were praying. I mean, Jessica, you remember those times. Jessica had us on a, a prayer team. Like, you know, all, all of you guys were praying for us. You even gave us the list of people, and we were praying for them. And it was this beautiful thing where we were praying for people in the same situation. They were praying for us. And um, I just remember, like, you know, the, the one year at camp where you came up and you just walked on Taylor and you hugged on her. And, and that was probably one of the most heartbreaking things in a good way for me. Because we knew that God promised us a kid. But it was four years of, of not being able to have a kid. Um, and you've seen now our little one, Harper. She's a year and a half. She has all the energy in the world. She's got the drama of her mom and the bullheaded of her dad. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And the, uh, the uh, angry twos have come early, everybody. It's wonderful. <laughs> but in that time, those four years, we were just praying... And we knew that the things that God had gotten us through were preparing us for that time. Because we knew if he got us through that, he can get us through this. And my favorite part of that whole story was actually, uh, my wife was, it was a Wednesday night, we were at youth group, she was talking to one of the ladies there, and she just said, I have just gotten to the point, because I mean, if, if you've tried for kids, you know it's a struggle. And she got, she was talking to the lady, she said, I got to this point, where I just have to say it's not a matter of if, but when in God's time. The next day she found out she was pregnant. Beautiful thing. And, and that was life-changing to us because we knew that God was just waiting for that moment, waiting for, for us to trust him more. And so it was this beautiful thing. And then, you know, moving on until, you know, a lot of you guys know that I was unemployed for about six months last year. Um, and in that, we just remembered, God got us through what he's got us through. He'll get us through this as well. And I can tell you each time, it's a spiritual progress, it's a spiritual journey. But in each hardship, I grow more knowing that the God I serve is with me. Knowing that he's on my side. Knowing that he's with me. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't always make it fun. But even now with our, our kid, like, you, if, you have, if you've ever had toddlers, you know you can get stretched very thin very fast. <laughs> and the ones that are laughing know it the most, right? <laughs> but we know that she was a gift from God, absolutely. An answer to our prayers. And, and it's tough because God's answers aren't always what we want. But we know that they're good. And so I just wanted to share with you guys a little bit of my own testimony of that. That's just, you know, that's my story. It gives the context of where I'm at today, of how I've gotten to where I am. Um, you know, it's, I've looked back and I've, I've realized it's really easy to get angry with God. It's really easy to blame him for the things that we go through. You know, uh, I love my father to death, but uh, we had a tough situation where when I was younger, um, both my mom and dad worked at the church, and basically within a day, they both lost their jobs at the church, and we were kicked out of the parsonage that we were living in. And they haven't looked at church the same because hurt. It's really easy, really easy to get angry at God for our circumstance. 
but the reality is he is the only one that never leaves our side with the circumstances. And prayer brings that progress. That perspective helps us get out of our own way to move on to the next thing. And so as, as Paul is, is speaking in this letter, as he's writing to the Philippians, he's saying, my hope for you is that you continue to grow, that your spiritual progress continues to move forward. Worship team, you guys can come up. I know I didn't have a good time for, but we're good. But in this, like, I, I love Paul's letter as he's just talking to the Philippians. He's being real with them. He's being honest with them. And, and it is hard at times in my own circumstances to find joy. But I can look back at Paul, who had some of the toughest circumstances I can think of. And he found joy. He found hope. He knew that God triumphs. It's the same in our situations, whether we can see it in the moment or not. Like I said, as I'm preaching to you guys, I'm more preaching to myself. And so I, I know hardship, I know struggles, I know all that. But that's my prayer for you guys. That's Paul's prayer for not just the, the church of Philippi, but for the church as a whole. That's Paul's prayer. That prayer of discipleship. That it's not just a instant gratification thing. It's a lifelong process. And it's not over until the day that Jesus comes. So I want to read those, those verses 9 through 11 to you guys again. And this is my prayer for you guys today. It says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's my prayer. Each day you would grow more in love and knowledge and discern. That as you pray, it would give you perspective to your situations. And don't just pray in the hard times, pray in the good times. It's so important. We need good perspective in good times too because we can quickly turn to those times. So pray in all times so you have good perspective. Pray in all times so you have spiritual progress in your life. So you can love more, have more knowledge and more discernment as we go day by day being the light of Christ in the world around us. So I want to encourage you guys to this morning, if you, if you get the opportunity, to just write what God is doing in this series for you as we go through this series of prayer. What has God been speaking to you? What has God been doing in your circumstance? How can we be continuing to pray for you in your circumstance? Because like I said, if you put any of this into practice, I can 100% guarantee without a doubt that God is working in your life. So this morning, I just want to encourage you guys to do that. Let us know how can we pray for you how can we love you? And what's God doing for you? God, we give you this morning. God, we just thank you for your word as it speaks so truly to each of us. God, I pray you would give us positive perspective on our lives. Help us to focus on what's important. Help us to not just hear your word, 
but put into practice your word. God, I pray for the spiritual progress of each of us, that we would continue to grow in love, knowledge, and discernment. We continue to follow your example in all things. God, I, I'm thankful that, that we're even starting to slow down that discipleship process. That we're going to do these life groups together and really focus in on what's important. That it's not an instant thing. So we just pray that you would be in each and one of those groups. We pray that you would bring the right leaders to lead. Let's pray your blessing over it, God. We thank you for this morning. We give you this space.